came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah, we came a long way. Hey, what's up? What's going on? And welcome to the Be Real Podcast, where we keep it real on social issues, history, news, faith, and everything in between. It's your one-stop podcast with thought-provoking talk and real content. Now, it's time to get real with your host, Brandon Mosley. Yo, what's up, y'all? You already know what I'm going to tell you. Swag it out. I can do all things, yeah, yeah. And that's what the song say. You can do all things, yeah, yeah. What's up, y'all? You came too far to stop now. Keep going. What's going on? What's going on? This your guy Brandon Mosley, the host of the Be Real podcast. Once again, I want to say thank you for tuning in. Um, and if this is your first time tuning in, please, please, please go back and listen to the first and second episodes. I promise you, I think you will enjoy them. Um, with that being said, I also please make sure you follow up on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's the Be Real podcast. You can find me pretty quickly. Please add. And also, if you're listening through Apple somehow podcast, please, please, please make sure you give me a five star and write a review. Also, on my anchor page, feel free to leave me a voicemail. I will play some of those voicemails on air if possible. Um, and also, just to hear from you guys and see what you guys are thinking about the show. And uh, that would be great. I really appreciate it. So, let's get to it. Let's talk for a second. We have our very first guest. So like I told you guys, I wanted you to hear my voice first and understand who I am. But now it's time uh, for us to enjoy a guest. This is a special one because it's dealing with police brutality, social injustice. Um, and the title of this episode is Lawrence Bender, Who Shot You? Um, and we're going to look into what happened uh, a year ago in the summertime in San Bernardino. Uh, which is in California, Inland Empire for my listeners and other uh, places. But for the local ones, you, you're going to be able to hopefully understand what really happened. And hopefully we can shine a real light on this and allow people to start really doing what it takes to get that change and build that attention that's really needed for this case. Um, so I don't want to go too far and deep because our guest does an amazing job. And the best part is um, I was able to uh, connect with this guest through what I would say my best friend, really my brother, uh, is by the name of David. I won't give his whole uh, government, but uh, he's uh, he's a solid dude, um, and I appreciate him for doing that. So, like you guys know, I like to tell a story before we start anything. So, I'm gonna tell a story about my boy David. So, years ago, I, and, and I'm gonna preference this that I've known David since. I was maybe third grade. We met at a barber shop, and our guest actually is a barber too, so it's funny. Um, but I'm gonna take it back to maybe like seventh grade, and this is like 1999. And was it seventh grade? It might have been sixth grade. I think it was actually sixth grade. So um, it was my first kiss, and I got my first kiss thanks to my boy David. My first real kiss, right? Um, you know what I'm talking about. So we're on our way to see all that, you know, recording all that. 
and I'm fresh, you know, I'm feeling myself, you know what I mean? Sitting in the back of the bus because there's no way you're going to sit in the front of the bus. That's not what you do. You go all the way to the back of the bus. And um, when the back of the bus, me, David, and a couple of our other friends and a couple of girls, and we're in the back of the bus with this girl I like. I mean, I like this girl. And uh, my boy knew it. So he, he alley-ooped me, you know. He gave me some love. Uh, it was, uh, we played Truth and Dare. And uh, she picked Dare. And um, my boy came through so solid. He was like, well, uh, I dare you to kiss Brandon. I said, bet, say less. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I commenced to kiss her. And uh, it, it, it was uh, magical, you know what I mean, to me at that time. I, I think I saw, like, you know, the, the angels come and uh, the lights sparkle and things like that on the back of an old bus. And um, the funny thing is, Afterwards, uh, down the road while we're playing the game, um, he got dared to kiss her too. I was like, dang, bro. <laughs> so he did it. And I, I, I mean, we, we, we still solid. We still good. But I was, I was a little salty for about, you know, 10 minutes. And I was like, hey, it is what it is. I mean, it belongs to streets at this point, you know? So, um, so yeah, man. That's my boy David that hooked me, hooked this uh, interview up. So uh, let's get into this interview. Um, it's it's gonna focus on Lars Bender and the situation we have in San Bernardino County. So tune in, enjoy. Thank you. All right, guys, we got somebody special or a special guest, uh, someone that can really tell us what's happening in our local area. That it's a perfect guess because we have police brutality, we have social injustice happening in America today from all over, and we have someone right here from the Inland Empire. So I want to kick it off to to this brother named Clarence. So go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? Hope y'all all all at home are tuned in and doing well where you're watching and listening from. Um, I'm actually Clarence, the brother to Lawrence Bender, his youngest brother. And uh, me, myself, I'm a barber. Um, a, a father. I just had my first child, Mason. Uh, uh, just a pretty chill guy, you know. I, I don't do too much. Just cut hair and uh, tend the family, you know. That's what's up, man. So um, you're a barber. So how, how's before we get into it, how are you dealing with you know COVID nineteen and everything? Uh, I'm just playing it by ear, you know. I'm just playing it by ear. Me myself, I kind of have my own. I have a suite, so it's a different situation than it would be if I was in a full shop with a, a whole load of barbers. So I can still cut and service my clients if I would like. But even aside from that, what I'm more so worried about is the health of myself, my family and the community. So I don't want to put business in front of that. And the only conflict that I'm having with it is dealing with clients who put the necessity of a haircut before maybe you know, the, the the concerns of health or they just look at it a different way than I do. And then that's where the conflict comes from. But I'm, I'm adjusting it, just taking it day by day and just moving slowly until we get this whole thing figured out because we're all in this together. Yeah, that's good, man. I, I have a newborn too, so congratulations. So I understand trying to, you know, trying to stay safe but do what's best for you and your family. But um, we know Lawrence Bender is your brother, but a lot of people may not know 
what happened and who he is. So can you tell us a little bit what ha- about what happened on uh, June 29th, 2019? All right, a little backstory on what happened on uh, June 29th, 2019 was, so my brother, I believe he was walking down uh, Macy, it's a street in San Bernardino, right off of Foothill, a little bit below Etiwanda. It's a housing area, housing development kind of. Um, and he was walking, I want to say from my house or to my house at the time. And he just stopped for a second and was sitting on the curb. I guess he was about to smoke a cigarette. So he was actually going to go up to the tow truck to ask for a lighter. If you watch the video, I believe that the video that they released actually shows this part where he may or it may not show this part where he waved his hand to the tow truck guy. He was saying something and then he, he walked and approached the tow truck. And at that time, the police officer, he uh, got out of his vehicle just noticed my brother walking up to the, the the police truck. Didn't see anything prior to. He just seen him walking up to the vehicle and reacted off of that before understanding the situation. And his first response to seeing that was to draw his gun and get out of the car, the car, his vehicle, the police officer, on level 10 already, on, on high threat level already. When my brother was just simply looking for a lighter, smoking a cigarette, you know, and mind his peace. So at that point, the police officer walks up to my brother, tells him to get down, and um, he's using extreme force. He's, he's saying some crazy things. He'll shoot him and do some crazy stuff. And my brother's complying. He, of course, he, he gets down on the ground. We're talking, it's just, this is middle of the summer in California, so the pavement isn't cool. You know, it's hot in the middle of the street. So it's pretty uncomfortable to be there, especially when you have an officer who's 100-plus pounds, 200-plus pounds, you know, standing on you with his boot in your spine so at that point mm. in the video footage what you see if if you have access to see the video you'll see my brother squirming on the ground and that's from the discomfort of being in between that hot pavement and having that officer's boot ledge lodged behind his shoulder blades on his spine pressing down you know it gave him great discomfort so at that point, you see the officer, my brother, kind of, they go back and forth in a way. My brother ends up getting up, but he doesn't get up in a threatening manner. He gets up with his hands up, but he just wants to show the officer I'm not a threat, but you are giving me discomfort. So the officer tells him to get back down. My brother gets back down on the ground. I believe this is the, the first time, second time. So the first time, so he gets back down on the ground. Officer does the same thing with the boot on the back and the gun drawn, talking crazy. Mm. And um, once again, my brother gets up again because of discomfort. And I believe this time it's the same response, not as a threat. So then he gets down one more time. And this time, I believe it's a little cloudy with me, but this time I believe he may step on his back again. And that's when my brother got up. And that's when the the, the shooting happened. That's when the, the, the more visceral part of the altercation went down. That's when the shooting happened. And um that's that's my brother got shot by the police officer. Man, um, and and I'm going to make sure I, I put the link in in the show notes for people to see if that's all right with you. Um, and and the and the crazy thing is that you know when you watch a video from the PD, it is edited. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I mean they they cut off pieces and they slow pieces down. Yep. That that didn't make much sense when I when I looked at it, but but man, that that's that's horrible to think about. And and my question is, how long did it take for you guys to even know what happened to your brother or to be even informed about where your brother was? Now the the, the exact time it's a little clouded to me, but it, it was days after he was already in their custody, I believe, 
that he was in their custody and we hadn't heard from them or him and they knew where he was. It got to a point to where we began to be worried. Oh, where's he at? Where's he at? I haven't heard from him. And this is, I believe, even his, uh, his, his people that should know where he's at, nobody knew where he was. And they were keeping that information from us. And we actually got a hunch where he was, what hospital he was being uh, held at. So we went to look. I went myself personally. I went to look and check and see, okay, where's my brother? Is, is my brother here? I want to see my brother. And they lied to me. They told me, no, he's not here. You can't. He's not here. That's what they told me as the brother. I told them, this is my brother. And they told me, no, he's not here. So you have to imagine I'm sorry, did they have him under like a John Doe or something like I that? I believe it, it might have been like a John Doe situation because he it, the hospital didn't have him listed under his name at all. And that normally only happens like if it's like gang violence or yeah. or something like that. You know, this is a police shooting yep. and it took them days to inform you guys, yep. right? So I, I want my listeners to think about that when we're going through this conversation. Um, so when I watched the video, I, I, I saw how the police officer came after your brother and then to find out that it took them days to they didn't inform you it took days for them to even uh tell you yeah yeah that's this, this is your brother yeah. yeah um and he shot but how many times was he was he shot from from the listeners in um, two times he shot two times so he, he he shot two times he's in was he in critical condition he, or so this is the thing he died on the scene he died i want to say two times on the scene he died and i believe in the following days when he was in their custody, before we got to see him, of course, he died, I want to say, another time or another two times within those days that we didn't get to have contact with him. So his heart stopped yes. three, four times. Yes. They, they didn't tell you he's in critical condition and he's there by himself. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, and he, so, he doesn't even know what's going on at this point. Yeah, he, he's 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 unconscious probably, or he just it, it's it's, it's so you know much. going through this type of pain. Yeah. This is crazy, man. Yeah. So, what was the reason the police gave you guys that that it took so long for them to tell you about your brother? I, I myself, I, I don't recall getting a reason for that. I don't I don't recall getting at least a reason that would make logical sense to hold on to. They maybe gave a reason, but. I'm a I'm an individual that seeks truth and for the things that don't add up to truth in me, I tend to disregard. So yeah. I don't I don't recall personally. So that's just put making something yeah, up making most something likely. Up. And I believe truthfully, that's what I believe those days were those those couple of days without the uh contact with the family was let's figure this all out. This is a big mess. We gotta figure this out. And my understanding is they still don't um, cop to that they took so long to tell you guys that they were trying to hide him or anything yeah. but clearly talking to the family it was a few days that they wasn't in contact with you guys and, and I would think if someone's shot in their critical condition and they have family shouldn't they be seeking out the family and, and my reply to that is absolutely yes absolutely. so Officer Michael Babino and the PD. I, when I watched the, the video and when I listened to uh, Captain Klein, they're claiming your brother was trying to steal the truck. And I, I, I heard your part of the story. And, and, and but here's the thing: looking at the charges, they don't even charge him with that exactly at all. Nope. So, what are your thoughts on that? Actually, he they they tried to charge him with the the, the attempted vehicle theft, but that was 
dismissed that that trial happened. I was in the court when that trial went down. That was dismissed thoroughly and swiftly without an issue. That was it was judged very fairly and dismissed very swiftly. So what are you still holding your brother for then? What what what's the, the so-called charges they have on your brother if, if the whole incident um stemmed from his supposed trying to steal the truck? This all stemmed from that. Yes. And if the judge is saying that didn't happen, exactly. why is he still being held? What what are the charges they're claiming he has? Exactly. So now what they have him on there for is the the obstruction slash uh resisting. That's that's the charges right now is the resisting. Mm. So, I mean, watching the video, when you guys see the video and the picture that's going to be for this art, for this uh, episode, is his hands up. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the video, his hands are up. Um, he doesn't curse. He doesn't yell. Um, he doesn't fight back. And he got on the floor pretty quickly. When, when, when requested to, yeah. So I'm not, it's like, it's, it's difficult for me to see, like, how can somebody obstruct justice or obstruct any of those things when he, when he's doing what he's been told exactly. and he gets two in him at the same time, two bullets exactly. shot in him. Still. Yes. So, so what are they trying to say? Like what, 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 what? Why are they trying to, you know, and, and what time is he facing? How much time are they trying to give him for this? I'm, I'm not sure about the exact time that they're talking, the exact time that's on the table. But it's, it's from what I do understand, it's a mess for everybody. It's a, it's a mess. Yeah. It's one of those situations to where it's just, it's just a bad situation for everybody involved. And I feel everybody just wants it to be over with. But the thing is, had we not got this much attention drawn to it, they would have left them. They would have did what they had to do with the with the vehicle theft. That probably would have stood up, and they would have washed them away on those charges. And with yeah. facing that time, ain't no telling how long he would have been in with that. And we're talking about not just a person in jail, a person that was just shot in jail. I don't think he can even move his arm the way he used to be able to move it. And he's in jail, uncomfortable for something he didn't do, you know? So yeah, it's just completely unfair to him. So if everybody just walks away from the situation, irregardless, his life will not be the same. Yeah. You can you can't place him back to where he was and say go. Exactly. Uh and especially we, we were just talking about COVID nineteen before. Yeah. That's running rapid in, in the county jails yep. and they're not receiving the treatment or the, the help they, they deserve or need as human beings. Yep. So, I mean, that that's another issue within itself that, I mean, that's a totally different conversation. Yeah. Um, so, w- what do you think about Officer uh, Babineau when he, you, you, you said it, when he stepped out, he immediately drew his gun. And, and they're supposed to de-escalate. To me, watching the video, I felt like he escalated yes. it, right? He's a trained officer, um, and this is what his job is. So, before thinking... He starts yelling and he curses, yep. um, and he, he tells him that I will shoot your face off. Mm-hmm. L- literal language from the video. Yep. Um, and without thinking, he had his gun out. So my question is to you: Why do you think the officer saw your brother as a threat so quickly? I think I think that comes from you have to look at the officer himself. You know, 
The yeah. less of my brother, more the officer, because that was his situation to be in power over. You know, he had the dominance mm. over that entire situation. That's why the video is so important because you can see my brother submitted to that the, the, the authority of that officer, which he was supposed to do. And the direction of that altercation went swiftly in, in, in the favor of that officer in, in his control. So I believe he looked at my brother as a threat because number one, he wasn't paying attention to his post. He wasn't paying attention enough thoroughly to his job. So he was surprised to see my brother walking up to the truck. I think that mm. caught him off guard and that's what made him react so fast at that high level because he didn't give himself enough time to read the situation and assess the situation and prepare properly. So he got out the vehicle and if I'm if I'm not, you know, if I'm correct, I don't believe he's been the officer. I don't believe he's been in that area patrolling for very long. So mm. just being around that area, San Bernardino, which is a high traffic area, it's a high crime area. I understand that you're going to, you're going to be on edge, but from experience, you learn how to deal with the people in those, in those areas. You know, you learn how to deal with the people of that community. And I believe he didn't have the proper experience to understand how to deal with people from that area. So when he was placed in that situation, he reacted that way from his inexperience. That's good. And I'm with an organization called Push, and one of my nine points that we look at is community policing, them yes. building a relationship with the people. And that's important. If you, you just can't be dropped in the middle of that place because he's seen as like a war-torn area that he's coming in like he's a military yeah. uh, person or some personnel. And, I mean, looking at it, your brother was sitting on the curb for some time. He could have easily told your brother, like, hey, can you move on? Yep. Right? Yep. Anything, anything to that nature. Um, my next question is, Following up with that, do you think your brother race and uh, had anything to do with it? Most definitely, most definitely. So you know, as as a, a black man in the community, I understand myself that we don't have proper representation. So something can be done to us on any level, you know, physically, financially, mentally, and the people who do it don't have to answer to anything. And I believe, yeah, him coming from where he is, his position, his job. He knows he has backing to support him, period. He knows this random guy sitting on the curb doesn't have that backing. You know, this random guy yeah. on the street doesn't have that backing. So it gives him the, 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 the confidence to do what he wants to do, do what he has to do, and know that nine times out of ten, he's going to be good because who's behind him, you know? Yeah, he's going to walk away. Yeah. Um, and, and to think that, I mean, to see someone as a threat so quickly – um, even if let's say he was trying to get in the car, there's other ways to even deal with it. If he was, he got out of the car or whatever, whatever they want to claim, yeah. right? He's no near, no no longer by the car. There's other uh, options other than pulling the gun right exactly. away, as we know. Exactly. There's a taser that could have been used. So it kind of it kind of makes much of no sense. And to address your brother the way he did, at the end of the day. Um, I was I was on a panel with with uh, some police officers and they told me their job is customer service and I'm keep seeing how they fail at customer service. Exactly. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta actually you know approach people as equals. Yes. And, and 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 that that's a big issue that we did not see in that video. That automatically he's yelling at him Crazy using words, uh, yeah. language. I'm gonna shoot you in your effing face. Yeah. It's it's like 
that's next level so quickly. Yeah. And, and that was startled me up front. Um, so my, my next question is, what do you think took the PD so long to release this footage? Because it, and it's an edited version. Yes. It's not the full length. It's edited. So the version that you will see is edited after the PD. And, and, and to be honest with you, one of our points with the nine points is about having this footage released quicker mm-hmm. within 30 to 45 days yes. and have a clean, unedited version yes. that people can look at. And that's important because uh, we can see what, what really happened, what really transpired. Yes. So here's the deal. Normally they say they don't want to do it because of cases and stuff like that. Well, your brother has a case right now and they, they released the video on their yeah. time. So it took almost, it took about a year for them to release it. Why do you think it took them so long? Yeah. Why did it take them so long? So, so the thing about the video, the interesting thing about the video is that's everything right there. If you were, if we were given an unedited video from that situation, I feel you can see the story right there. So if they were to give that video out earlier, that would give everyone time to understand the situation fully before they got to line up their ducks. So I feel like that was simply yeah. just to to help in their favor, you know, simply to help in their favor. And truthfully, I don't think this is the first time that that's happened. You know, we're talking about footage that that is their property. That's their property, you know. So, of course, they're going to do what, as they please with their property. They're going to release it as they feel. And I feel we're saying I'm saying it's their property. Truthfully, that should be looked at as property of the public and we should have access to it just as fast as they do you know with exception to with exception to you know some sensitivities and 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 some case sensitivities and stuff like that but we should have access to to those files those videos that 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 evidence just as readily as they do because when we don't get the access they do and they it's it's as if they know how to use that in their favor Exactly. And I think it's really important, especially when dealing with any police brutality, yeah. anything dealing with that, we got to have access. And that's part of, like I'm saying, the nine points that that me and Push has been really pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like you said, it happened before Laquan McDonald in Chicago. It took them years to get that yeah. out. And they had and they claimed he only was shot once. He was shot 16 times. The, poli- the police officer was was found guilty for all those shots. And he was he was supposed to get over over 100 years. <laughs> Bro only got six years, and they said he'd be out in two and a half, three years. So he'll be out possibly next year. Yep. Um, so something to think about. Um, so in terms of you know that that video, the beginning of that video, the chief Chief Klein, who actually was hired because they said there was a lot of issues within the PD with uh, sexual harassment, with um, um, with also um, providing favors for people who are family members. Um, things of that nature was happening. Um, so he came in to, to supposedly clean up the the station because he was in retirement. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, in the video, he claims that the goal of him and the PD is to be completely transparent with the public. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? No, I mean, I, I don't I can't speak on um, Chief Klein because I don't know how involved he was initially with the situation but from the beginning of the situation as we know there was no transparency we we know that there was no transparency we didn't get to see him even when we got to 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 know where he was we still didn't get to speak to him we still didn't get to contact him because they were treating him as if he was a in a, a a person in their in their you know 
he was already under arrest. Yeah, the custody. Yes, he was already under arrest while he was still on the hospital bed. So we still didn't get to speak to him freely, you know. So that wasn't transparent. That's the very beginning of this whole situation. So moving forward from there, just talking about the video, if there was true transparency, the 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 people involved, I'm talking about on the legal side of the situation, not even just the public, but the legal side, they would have had access to this evidence early on. You know, it, it was yeah. that was the issue early on was getting that 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 the, the footage, getting the, the videos and stuff like that. So I don't believe there was true transparency. And if that's the goal, people aren't winning at that goal. You know, they're not doing yeah. very well, well at that. Yeah. And honestly, it's kind of funny because it kind of lines up with the George Floyd deal, because it seems like once they started getting national pressure, then then local pressure, all of a sudden the video comes out. Yep. My my idea is if transparency is always the goal, that's from the beginning. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what um, nobody's and, and looking I, Exactly, and and that's not that's not the case. So Captain Vega, he's 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 the captain over there. Um, he was quoted in one of the news stories I was reading that he he believes that the majority of communities support the police, and and I think they don't understand what support means. Yeah. They think if you question them, to me, if you question them, all of a sudden you don't support, exactly. but um, or you don't want police officers to do their good job, do a good job because at the end of the day, their true job is to protect and serve us. Um, and they work for us. Like you said, everything they get, it's, it's federal. I'm sorry, it's tax yes. dollars. So that means it's, from us. it belongs to yeah. us. So he says something to the effect that majority of the community support the police and there's only a small, he says, minority uh, are making negative comments about you know the police so any thoughts on that comment that he made there uh it, it's it's entire dissatisfaction with the police and it's in this city this state and the next city over the next yeah. state over it, it's entire dissatisfaction with the police and this isn't coming from a person who has authority problems this is a person this is coming from a person that is an upstanding citizen who just wants yeah. to be sometimes and oftentimes i'm faced with an unruly authority figure coming down on me specifically you know in a in a, yeah. in a way that just doesn't make sense so i feel they need to work out how they protect and serve these communities because it's not being done the way it should be at a satisfactory level because clearly it's dissatisfaction amongst the community of which they're serving yeah yeah and it's clear man speaking to you if you guys haven't seen him or he's definitely a clean-cut guy mm -hmm. he's smart he, he's a business owner. He's, what, 22 years old? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a family man. So he's doing the every, he's literally doing it all the right things, mm -hmm. right? And for, for you to say that, it lets you know how far behind we are because you're an upstanding citizen, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And you can sit back and say, it, it, it ain't right out yeah. here. Um, and I think that's important. That's really important. So my, my, my next question to you is, what do you and your family uh, want to see happened with first your brother's case and secondly with officer Babineau because he's he's still currently on the streets yeah. he's still working um I don't think he took any substantial time off um so yeah so what do you guys want to see happen with, so, with your brother case and the officer to, to speak on my brother's behalf first um like I said, he's in a condition to where he may never function the same way. And we're just talking about physically. It's not even talk about the, the mental trauma that he may live yeah. on with 
for however long. You know, he's seen some things that most people may never see. So his yeah. life probably will, will forever be different from this point on. So how, how, what would justify that kind of treatment? You know, what would justify that to change somebody's life? You know, I, that's a question I'm, I'm asking myself, you know, cause it's just that kind of, he has to be set free first of all, cause he's still yeah. in there being tried to somebody who did something, which if you watch the video, you see it's an innocent man, you know, you can make your own judgment on that, but his life is forever going to be different. So how can that be positively affected? You know, how can that be positively affected? That's what I want. You know, I, I want my brother to not have to worry about this situation happening again. I want my brother to worry, not have to worry about even if he does get out free on this situation, having to look over his shoulder as if yeah. something may happen to him. You know, I, I want him to know that he's all right. That's 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 the thing right there. You know, I don't think it'd be fair for him to even he lost a year of his life. You know, yeah, if man. we just talk about that. Just imagine if the viewers, just imagine if you was taken out of your, your daily routine, you know, you was taken from your job, taken from your family, your children, taken from your daily routine for a year and then placed back into it. That, that <laughs> would throw off your rhythm. You know, that would throw everything off. So how do you pick up from there? You know, so that, that's what we got to figure out. How, how do we, if we're protecting and serving this community, he's a, he's a member of the community. How do we, make sure he's able to get back on track to being a good member of the community, you know, to be able to, 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 to help the community his, himself, you know? And um, as far as officer Babino, or Babino, you know, my family and I, we're not hateful people. We're not people who have heavy hearts. Um, I can speak for myself. I just would hope that, if he has to be out there still, that he gets hard training and true understanding because this situation, I know it's hitting him. I know it's hitting him. And I hope it's hitting him in his heart and in his mind so that even if he does end up able to maintain doing this job, he understands the value of every decision he makes because he could change a life like that, you know, and he can affect many people like that. You know, he has to understand the value in the decisions and the actions that he does take. And we have to see some justice come from it, you know. Yeah. And, and my follow up is I know one of the demands that BLM had was for him to lose his job mm -hmm. and and um, the PD to be completely disbanded. Mm -hmm. Is that what your family want too, or that's just, you know, that's that's their thing. And your your main focus is, you know, your brother. My main thing is my brother. My main thing is my brother. Yeah, I yeah. support BLM. So it does make sense because the police department isn't functioning correctly. So, of course, I, I, I support that. But my main focus is my brother. Yeah, nothing less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I know, like you said, we, we can't give your brother back time. Mm -hmm. that, that It's impossible. And after a year in jail and being shot, he has it's a physical, emotional and mental scars that he has to deal with that. I mean, a lot of African-American males, this is like since slavery, this is yeah. things happen. You know what I mean? That we got to just say, oh, well, and deal with it and, and brush it off. And nobody else has that same, how can I say, that same plight yep. in their in their life. And we're, we're challenged with that. So knowing that, are there any plans to 
to sue the PD? Um, we we don't know. We don't know what the future yeah. is. The main thing right now is is, is getting him home and um, checking his physical health, checking his mental health, making sure that that where he's at. Because like I said, we we haven't yeah. seen this guy. We haven't really physically checked him in so long. So main thing is getting him home. You know, following up after yeah. that, we have to see because truthfully, we're, we're talking about a police department that they aren't as transparent as they may seem. So there's yeah. no telling if he comes home today what they may have to, to follow up with, you know? So we have to deal with what we have right now, you know? Yeah. Um, and and, and, that, and the crazy thing that you guys even have to think about that in America, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If my brother come home, does he have to look around, around the corner all the time? Exactly. And especially when we're talking about the police officers who are created to protect and serve supposedly yeah. but we know the the real origin of the police department that's a different story mm-hmm. um but one of the points once again from the from the, my the nine point plan is that training and development because they get like 72 hours of how to use a gun yeah. and they get like less than 16 hours on de-escalation yep. and eight hours on community stuff and culture so i mean that's a big disconnection yep. that we we got to fix in the training i mean you they 21 years old not too much older than you younger than yep. you they go through six months of training and they on the streets with a badge yeah, and you know it's you know actually I mean? a running statement that i'm a barber right and they said it takes yep. more hours to become a barber than it does to become yeah. an officer patrolling in the streets you know and that's that's wild to yeah. think about yeah you 1500 hours yep. man they got six hundred odd hours, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in education, yeah. and I have a master's, so that's six years I, I spend in my life. Exactly. You know, so you, you're giving somebody who's supposed to enforce the law a badge and a gun six months worth. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and it, it, it takes a whole lot more than that. And uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of training in Europe. They do two or three years worth of training. And that training so, is I mean, very valuable. Very, that, that time yeah. is very valuable. I just know myself from being a barber. You know, I see a lot of people. I see a lot of people, um, new clients, old clients, people that come yeah. from many different backgrounds. And <clears throat> it's something that you would see, like if you're an officer in the street, you're dealing with people the same way I'm dealing with people. So it's social yeah. cues that you can pick up on. Some of the people that I service, they come in and they're very closed off. They're very shut down. They're, yeah. They have that, that hardened exterior. But from working all those hours, working all that time, I've learned how to still be able to communicate to understand them that's the whole thing is understanding their position because clearly we're in different positions we're saying things differently but the whole thing is understanding and you get that from that time you get that from that experience so they're not getting that if they're not forced to get that experience of course they're going to be at a disadvantage and that has to be fixed that's good, man. That's real good. And I think that's really important. And just like barbers, you guys are always trying to up your craft and you're always trying to get better. So I, th- I think that's the same thing officers need to always. do. So my um, next question to you, man, and, and we're almost done here, is that what can we do uh, to support your brother and your family? Like, what, what, what can the people that's listening do? So what I feel like is necessary for the community. The community has to, you know, a lot, the community is involved. You know, there's a big influence for the community being involved. And it's a big help. Just continue to spread the word, continue to spread awareness amongst the, the people that you see every day, you know, not only on social media, but the, the guy at the store, you know, the, the, the person you work with, you know, just continue to spread the awareness and get in touch with, with, with be it Black Lives Matter, i.e., 
because they're they're doing a lot. You know, they're they're running these protests at the court dates. You know, and and show up to these protests, these 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 standouts at these at the courthouse because the physical presence does a lot. You know, it does a lot to the 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 decisions that are made in that courthouse, and um, even making sure that the pressure is not only felt physically outside of the courthouse, but make sure that the people in in politics within your city that are running your city, make sure that they know what you stand for. Because if they don't know what you're representing, they're going to continue to make the decisions that they make, which aren't in your favor, in your best interest, and move on. But you have to let them know that you are somebody. And, you know, and, and let them feel the presence of the masses of people who are dissatisfied with this and they will follow suit you know like we know they do service but we have to make them stand on that right that they do service we have to make them honor that and if they don't service correctly they're going to be out of jobs and that's the entire system from top to bottom from the people making the decisions and the people that are enforcing the decisions if they don't service correctly they're going to be out of jobs so that's good and and i think his case is in san Bernardino county so I'll make sure I have a link to their phone number and their um, email to 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 start calling, phoning yep. in the DA office and emailing the DA office. Let them know where you stand because pe- they they need to hear it. They have the more to. emails, the more phone calls is going to make a difference, and it will maybe change um, Captain Vega's mind mm-hmm. from thinking it's a small exactly. minority to that it's a whole lot more than just that small minority that you think. Um, and one something else I want to ask you is like. What is one thing you want people to know about your brother before we end this interview? Like, what is one thing you you want them to know? My brother is a good guy, man. He, he's a he's a the funny thing about my brother. He has a nose for righteousness, you know, mm. and we all come from different backgrounds, different environments, different areas. But to be a product of your environment and still have the nose of righteousness when your environment is, is, you know, all over the place, it says a whole lot. So just that's to speak on his character. You know, this is a good guy. Yeah. He has a daughter that he's care, he cares for, you know, family that loves him. We, his family loves him. You know, the people that know him know him and love him for who he is. So that, that says a whole lot, you know. That's good, man. And um, we want to um, also know where, where can people follow you? Where can people um, get a hold of you if, if, if they needed to on social if, media? If ever need be, I'm a, my name is Clarence, but I, my barber name and social media tags is all under King Cut, and that's K-I-N-G-C-U-T-T underscore, and that's the same for every platform. All right, perfect, man. And um, we, we want to say thank you. And also, I, I want to say thank you to my boy, David, mm-hmm. who uh, introduced us. Um, I've been knowing him for 25 plus years. Yes, sir. Um, and he, he always talks about how good a barber you are. Uh, we, we, we fight about who barbers the best. But after talking <laughs> to you, 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 you might have it. <laughs> so, man, I, I appreciate you, brother. Uh, and, and thank you. Yep, I appreciate you, too, man. I see you got the Fred Hammond back there. I really admire that. Oh. Oh yeah, you know what's up there. Matter of fact, and for my listeners, those who who may not know, my my uh, my show art is uh, a cross between uh, an artwork of him and J, uh, J. Cole sitting on top of the building that Fred Hampton mm-hmm. was uh, assassinated mm-hmm. in. So that's 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 the show art where it comes from. So yeah, not everybody would would notice that man. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. That lets you know how sharp you yep. are. So guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right.
Welcome to another segment of Be Inspiration. And this time, after the death of John Lewis and C.T. Vivens and Charles Evers, I have a quote I wanted to use from the, the late great giant John Lewis. He says this, If you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation to do something about it. We are living in a time today there that we are turning on the news and every day we see something wrong. We can walk out and see something wrong. And it's our obligation to do much more than just record it, to tell someone about it, but to stand up and pursue change. Change doesn't happen unless we're willing to start making it happen. So with that being said, if you see anything that's wrong, you have an obligation to do something about it and live like those three great giants lived. Selflessness is key. Not only just thinking about yourself, but having the compassion to pursue change. Thank you. What happened with Lawrence Bender is beyond wrong. There's no words for it. There's no rhyme or reason. But we have to force change. We give a lot of energy, a lot of time and effort behind those who die by the hands of police officers, as we should. But we need the same energy for those who live to tell the tale. So with that being said, we have to pursue Lawrence Bender case. Pursue it to a point where that is not only dropped, but he's released. And the Rialto Police Department makes some real substantial changes. That should never happened. We should never be in a place that we're in right now, thinking about a man in prison, in jail, I'm sorry, for over a year, cut off from his daughter, cut off from his family, and cut off from, cut off from his whole life. So if you're really about seeing a change, I have some links that you can click and use from the DA office to also just other information and resources from the nine points I kept discussing as well, because it's time for us to really affect change and be out there and be there for his family. Once again, I want to say thank you for Clarence coming. I want to say thank you. Uh, for you listening, and I hope and pray that we see some real change. Thank you. I can do all things. Yeah, yeah, we came a long way. That's what the songs say. And I can do all things. I can do all things.